Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, we're back in the book of Nineveh today. Uh, I keep saying Nineveh. We're back in the book of Nahum today. And we'll start at chapter uh, 3, and uh, I'll reread verse 1. We did that yesterday, and we'll go down through verse 6. And again, this is um, sort of an eyewitness account to the destruction of the mighty capital of uh, Syria, uh, the mighty capital city of Nineveh. And uh, the river, I believe it was the the Tigris River, uh, had been either dammed up or overflown, uh, over, over, um, overfilled, and it just pretty much washed through the city and destroyed the city. No one thought that that would ever happen. And this was a city that had been like, it was the height of its power. And McGee points out that another example that the government of God rules over the government of man and God's sovereignty extends even to the Gentile nations. God will govern uh, his own nation, Israel, but he will also govern these uh, Gentile nations. So just because a nation says, we don't believe in you, it doesn't exempt them from God's justice and punishment. Verse 1, Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder, no end to the prey. In other words, there's there's just no end to the carnage that is um, taking place here as the city's walls are breached. And as the invading armies, this would be the Babylonians and the Medes, this coalition of this, these armies coming in um, to bring down the people. Verse 2, the crack of the whip and the rumble of the wheel, galloping of the horse and bounding chariot. This is a, a powerful invasion force coming in. Verse 3, horsemen charging with flashing sword and glittering spear. Hosts of slain heaps of corpses, dead bodies. Without end, they stumble over the bodies. It's just complete carnage, um, and everybody's getting killed. 
verse 4, and all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and peoples with her charms. And I, I think we can look at this two different ways. Number one, obviously a judgment on the prostitution and the immorality there. Um, he's saying, and all this death for this, you know, in other words, the punishment, one of the punishments that Nineveh had was for its immorality, you know, and so he's saying, look at all this death and destruction, all for the prostitution, all for this, you, you, you traded all of your, uh, what you had, for this sin. And it's almost like looking at the sin now. Was the sin worth it? And, you know, we can look at the sin that exists in our own generation right now. And you say to yourself, Would this kind of lifestyle, would this kind of sin be worth it? If the same judgment was brought on our own people? Would you be praying that this generation ends its dependency on sin like this? You know, God says, my sovereignty extends, extends to all the people who even claim to not believe in me. I'll judge you too. So we can look at it on... That level, and I think we can also look at this um, on a different level. You know, God sometimes described um, Israel as the bride, and he was the bridegroom. And, um, of course, the bride was, you know, an unfaithful bride. And then what did the bridegroom do? The bridegroom gave his life for the bride. So we we see this in you know sort of metaphor time and time again played out with the nation Israel. But our lack of faith is like that too. Like the unfaithfulness of our love towards our father towards the Lord Jesus. It's like the same kind of um, flawed love that you would see from an unfaithful bride to a to a bridegroom that loves her dealer dearly, and so to be so unloving and so unfaithful to fall into sin is it worth it? Is is your own destruction worth it? Worth the unfaithfulness? It sort of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Verse 5, Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and will lift up your skirts over your face, and I will make nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. In other words, this is the second time he said it. He said it back in chapter 2, verse 13, Behold, I'm against you. And he says it again, Behold, I'm against you. 
And McGee says, when God says he's against you, you are in trouble. He has judged you. And now when he's against you, you know, you're you're going to be destroyed. And he's not only destroying them because of their sin, he's going to shame them. Because they had a lot of pride, right? So the pride will be dealt with. And it will be, they will be in shame. And as far as power goes, they're going to be left in shame and nakedness. I will throw filth at you. You know, these were people who were used to the best of the best. And so now he says, you know, you won't have the refined life. It will be filth and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. This is the judgment of the Lord on such prideful, arrogant, unloving people. All the emotions will be countered. And I think, you know, as I was preparing for this study, I was looking at at things that um, this nation had been... um, led astray through. And this verse 4, and for the countless whorings of the prostitute graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and peoples with her charms. And you think about all the different ways people get led astray. And they usually get led astray by charms, by things that are appealing to the eye or appealing emotionally. And look at all the different, um, you know, things, whether you have idolatry or false religion or sorcery. You know, we think of the primitive cultures of are being ones that worship sorcery, witchcraft, voodoo, idolatry. In our modern day society, it was the horoscopes of the fortune tellers, of the astrologers, you know. Everybody's got the answer, right? But nowadays, you know, we have the atheism. But the atheism crowd doesn't even want to be called atheists anymore. They want to be called humanists. To put a nicer spin on it. Or the wisdom that comes from man, the art, or the health, or the wealth. Or the wisdom that comes from politics, or what we see even now more today, the news, or the news media. The media packages a message in very attractive productions, very visual and and, uh, with with visual and, and audio to get people to believe a certain way, feel a certain thing, or with music. And it's interesting at all the things that we tell ourselves today, all day long, every day. And when we see all these things, We tell ourselves, you know, I'm good, or I'm healthy, or I'm blessed, or I'm lucky, 
or I'm fortunate. And we all tell ourselves, and these are the same things that these people in Nineveh were telling themselves. We're good, we're healthy, we're blessed, we're lucky, we're fortunate. And again, we tell ourselves these things based on what? Based on what we think and not what God thinks. And these people all day long were vile, were filthy, were corrupt, were sinful, and were cursed to die. They had been told by Jonah earlier. They had repented earlier. But this generation put its faith in itself and now is being punished. What a sobering thought that we can't let any of our self-assessment be based on our self-assessment. It always has to be based on God's assessment for everything that we do. So we'll stop here. Today's Friday. That means we'll take a break over the weekend and we'll finish up our study of Nahum on Monday. And uh, what a powerful uh, message this is, just looking at our own nation today. We're no less under God's sovereignty than these people were. Something to think about. God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. So take it away, Matali. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Nahum, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 6. The subject of chapter 3 is the avenging action of God justified. So we have the cause of the destruction of the city of Nineveh and it is justified. So he, uh, Nahum, Nahum here gives um, a cause, but he justifies God in the destruction of Nineveh. And this is an example of whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. It's a very good classic example and this is true of nations and of individuals. So today, if as an individual and as a nation, you know, you sow destruction, you sow discord, this is what you're going to reap. Obviously you don't expect to sow um oranges and expect to reap apples. You're gonna reap oranges. You're gonna you know, you're gonna reap what you sowed. And this is true of life. So verse one and two, I'll just read a combination of that. It reads Woe to the bloody city, it is all full of lies and robbery. Its victim never departs, the noise of a whip and the noise of rattling wheels, of galloping horses, of clattering chariots. So here we have a picture that describes the internal condition of the city. That's in verse 1, like the internal condition of the city. This is lies. Lies mark the total culture of the city of Nineveh. So, and this is a picture um, of a bloody city. Nineveh was a bloody city. So, their actions and their attitudes outside the city marks 
um, what they are inside the city. They are robbers and they are liars. So this nation was known in the ancient world as being a very, very brutal and bloody nation. They were feared in the ancient world. They were very feared. So they were feared and they were dreaded by other nations. And, you know, we've heard horror stories as in um, if um, a town in their, um, like, a town hears that the Assyrians are actually coming there on their way um, to, you know, capture the, the town or the city, the nearby towns. Um, the stories that have gone around that, you know, the whole town would actually commit suicide because they don't want to come in the claws and clutches of the Assyrian army. So today our nations, you know, if we look at our nations, they are like the nation of Nineveh, the internal condition of the nation of Nineveh. You know, um, <clears throat> today our nations, they're full of lies and robbery. So we have... Um, you know, just in our homes, if you look around, um, you go to a home, you find the home has got burglar bars, it's got doors and latches and grill doors and, you know, doors that are double locked, triple locked. So we are mostly given, um, propaganda as well, um, with what's going on by the media and politics because, you know, it's full of lies and full of robbery and, you know, those running, um, our countries today, they give us propaganda, they give us lies, and um, they're corrupt. So the book of Nineveh actually reveals that God does deal with Gentile nations. And the government of God moves in the government of man. And God will overrule the sin of man. I mean, God just doesn't let sin go by. He will overrule the sin of man and the sin of nations. And God brings great nations down. We have seen this historically in the past. Great nations have been brought down. Look at um, uh, Tyre and Sidon. Um, Nineveh. Here's a good example. Babylon. Um, so verse 3 of our teaching today reads, The horsemen charge with bright sword and glittering spear there is a multitude of slain a great number of bodies countless corpses they stumble over the corpses so here he gives he goes on and gives a vivid description of you know these chariots and you know as these chariots like you know just a picture it's it's so crude and so vivid you know the picture of these chariots stumbling upon you know corpses the corpses lying all over um the place and you know we have here that which characterizes the external condition of the city that's verse 4 which reads because of the multitudes of uh, hollow trees of the seductive harlots the mistress of sorcerers who sells nations through her hollow trees and families through her sorceries. So here, you know, we have, um, you know, this character of, uh, of the nation, um, the external condition of the city. So they were brutal and they were cruel. Um, and, you know, they were a very cruel enemy. Assyria is not a, a country, a nation you wanted uh, to have as an enemy and you know they are now reaping what they have sown you know discord and destruction and brutality and this is what they are weeping now the enemy has come into their nation and they were trembling they were scared verse 4 doesn't read because of her multitudes oh i read that already because of let me just read that again because of a multitude of hollow trees of the seductive harlot the mistress of sorceries 
who sells nations through her harlotries and families through her sorceries. So this city is likened to a harlot. And she's the one that they all played up to. Yeah. Um, because um, by that time, they were a feared nation. So she was the mistress of sorceries. And it's uh, mentioned twice. So this is an occult... Um, this is um, occult, the idolatry that's being talked about here, the occult of the ancient world. So it wasn't meaningless. You know, Paul had actually called an idol a nothing. But back in the back of any idol that uh, people choose to worship is Satan. And the back of idolatry is satanic. So an example that I can give is, you know, I've seen um, on these... Um, shows on tv you know there's a program on tv it's called the medium where you have this particular person who talks to dead people and you know like you've lost a loved one and they're like oh i can see your mother she's trying to tell you this and that you know don't be you'll be fine or she'll be well um and, and a lot of celebrities actually tend to go there um and um you know there's also instances where um you know people tend to think oh hey i have a good luck charm that i'm always wearing around my hand um it's the one that uh, gives me guidance and uh, good luck and everything that i do you know all these are forms of idolatry and you know when we come to the end of this age that we're currently living in according to scripture we will find that even the organized church will become a harlot engaging in this kind of thing and today we should examine things carefully just because they, um, a thing seems to have the mark of the supernatural on it, but is not scriptural. It is not of God, but of Satan, as Satan also imitates God. Satan also has that power to, ha- you know, to, to, to show like um, he has, uh, like it's, it's something that's scriptural and something that's supernatural, something that's of God. So we ought to examine it very, very carefully. And, you know, today we have a lot of people playing the harlot, like horoscopes. People tend to go like, oh, I want my future read. I want to know what's in store for me, um, you know, and things like that. That's playing the harlot. That's back of everything. That's, um, um, that consists of idolatry is Satan. It's satanic. So verse 5 goes on to read, uh, Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. I will lift your skirt over your face. I will show the nation your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. So this is the second time in Nineveh that um, he is saying that I am against thee. And God said this against Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And this nation was a uh, polytheistic and given over to idolatry back and the back of um the idols were was witchcraft and occult and witchcraft has become you know a reality today you know people go to fortune tellers people carry around little um uh trinkets um good luck charms and things like that we have mediums today people tend to uh follow you know their horoscopes and things like that it's 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 you know, back of that is, is, is something evil. And um, we ought to examine things. And um, and this nation, you know, it was playing the harlot. So then um, he goes on to say, I will lift your skirts over your face. So 
back then, um, you know, nudeness was very shameful. But in today's world um, of nakedness, and it's actually made to look normal, or it's called art, and it's it's actually normal. But back then, in that civilization, you know, in as much as they had sunk low, but they had not sunk as low as we have. Because today, nudity is just a normal thing. You see it every day on TV, you see it in magazines and all. They They hadn't sunk as low as we have today because they didn't um, go nude and God speaks um, the shame that he will actually bring um, upon Nineveh he will actually expose them he will expose uh, he will bring the skirt over their faces so he will bring Nineveh um, down and expose them and Assyria went down into the dust and never to rise again because God said I will cut you off verse 6 goes on to read I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. So here, God says, I am going to bring you down. I will expose you for what you are, as I am opposed to you. So, you know, the biggest lesson here is, you know, with light comes greater responsibility. So, if... One has been exposed to um, the light. One has been exposed to God. Um, you have a greater responsibility than that person who has not been exposed to God. I'm not saying that God will not judge those people who have not received uh, the light. He will, because God judges sin. He just doesn't let sin go by. But the greater responsibility is on somebody who actually has the light, who actually knows the truth, who actually knows the gospel. There's a greater responsibility on that. And the Ninevites, they had received the gospel like a hundred uh, years prior when Jonah took the message and there was a great revival and a great turning to God. And now they re- totally rejected God and went back to harlotry and idolatry and witchcraft and sorcery. And hence God hates them. And he said he was going to judge them because they had just crossed the line. They had crossed the line. So, this is our teaching today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye.